Well, it's been a long and brutal last couple of days. How are you? Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Uh, I am tired because it's just been one of those, like, the last couple of days. We did the parade with the band on Friday night. Today is Tuesday. And then I woke up uh, Saturday morning to go hiking on the Superior Hiking Trail, four and a half hours north. Uh, and then we hiked for 12 miles on, sorry, I'm getting comfortable, 12 miles on day one. The next day it rained. We hiked another 12 miles, and then we hiked another 10 on um, Monday. And then, you know, whenever, you know how it is, you take a vacation day and you get back to work, and there's like a buttload of work you got to do that you missed out on and catching up on things and, and working and posting, and you know how it is. So it is now uh, 9 o'clock on Tuesday night. And a lot of people think that we're in bed by now, but no, I'm just now getting started on the podcast because it was kind of the last thing that I had to do tonight before I watch Better Call Saul, which is my second favorite show on TV right now. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, the Superior Hiking Trail. Let me just give you a quick critique here. We love to hike. Um, we went up there on Friday, uh, Saturday morning. And we were anxious to get started, and we're training for Philmont in New Mexico, and that's going to be a big deal. And the trail on the Superior Hiking Trail is rough because it is all tree roots everywhere, exposed tree roots everywhere. So you constantly have to watch where you're walking. And it's very muddy and very marshy and very swampy and wet, and it's just, it is a it is a shitty trail, to be honest with you. 90% of that trail is just awful. And the thing about hiking is when you hike, you like to look around and look at the trees and mountains and that you couldn't look up. You really literally couldn't look up. You had to look at your uh, the path in front of you the entire time. Uh, would not recommend it. Maybe I was just on a bad section of the trail, but it was rough. And I think a testament to that is there was almost nobody on this trail. So if you're going to go on the Superior Hiking Trail... Find a good section of it. It's like 300 miles long, but uh, don't go on the section that we went on, which is around Finland, Minnesota. Okay, enough of that. So, a couple of things we're going to talk about. I talked about this last weekend, um, or last week on the podcast, and this is one of my favorite family stories ever. And I just want to share this with you because it's just so cool. And uh, our family has been in America for 115 years, something like that. But in all of those years, there's a few stories that stand out that got passed along from generation to generation. And it was only, you know, it's not that long ago. It was 65 or 67 years ago that this happened. But our family knows about this, and it's just really cool. So let me tell you what happened. In 1959, I had two cousins, much older than me. Uh, this is before I was born. They lived in New Jersey with their mom and dad. And our grandparents lived in Jordan, Montana, which if you went directly west from Minnesota for about 700 miles, you'd be in Jordan, Montana, maybe a little bit north. And uh, it's a desolate little town. It is just, it is a dot of a town in the middle of nowhere. It's so middle of nowhere, they call that part of Montana the Big Open because there's nothing out there. Um, so in 1959, these two cousins who were 13 and 15 decided they were going to ride their bicycles from New Jersey to Jordan, Montana. And so they did. Now, this was 1959. Nobody would ever let their kids, uh, 13 and 15 years old, do this now. Guess what their biggest fear was, the biggest thing they were afraid of, the parents were afraid of uh, back in 1959. They were afraid that the kids would be um, um, arrested, I guess, as runaways. 
Because if you saw a kid roaming around back then, you thought, well, they must be a runaway. They weren't worried about abduction or any criminal or, you know, uh, I don't know, people robbing them or anything like that. This was a different country back then, and people were worried that they would be arrested as runaways. So they got the local police chief to write them a note that they could show to anybody that tried to arrest them as runaways. Isn't that mind-boggling? It makes you go, what the fuck has happened to the country in the last 60 years where in that the, the mindset has totally changed? Why? What have we done wrong where have we just gotten so permissive that everything is okay? Well, you know what? He's a criminal. And yeah, he raped that girl, but you know, he had a rough childhood. So let's give him some counseling and hope for the best. Or yeah, that guy, he beat up his wife, but you know, um, we just will give him a little slap on the wrist and hope, cross our fingers that he doesn't do it again. You know, I don't know. You tell me. If I've got the wrong idea, you tell me. Why was it safe 60 years ago and it's not now? So back to the story. They got a letter from their police chief saying these kids are not runaways. They got a letter from their father that they could carry with them. And I posted a clip of the article on Facebook, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. And it's an article from the Miles City, Montana paper. And it got some of their information wrong. It got their ages wrong, and it got some other things wrong. But it got a couple of things right. They did come through Minnesota. They stayed at a hotel down by in Worthington, Minnesota, a motel that's long gone. There was no freeway back then, I don't believe. But the route passed along there the same way it does. They went through Chamberlain, South Dakota, and that was the only place where they got not arrested, but detained and put in the, they were, they had to stay in jail overnight. And I don't know if they still stayed in an actual cell, but they had to stay in the police station by themselves overnight. The next morning, nobody came to let them out until 10 o'clock. And when they finally did, they, um, you know, they didn't, you know, they weren't apologetic or anything. Uh, the guys, uh, my cousins brought along a tent, blankets, change of clothes, a bunch of maps and some money. And back then, Phone calls were expensive, so they would call home once a week on Sunday nights. Now, can you imagine not hearing from your 13 and 15-year-old kids for a week? They called home on Sunday nights, and they would send a postcard, I think, every day. Wow! Unbelievable. So they made it all the way to Jordan, Montana. And I used to have a book. It was called Summer of 1959 that the family had put together about this trip. And I loaned it to somebody, and I never got it back, and I don't know where it is now. And it makes me kind of sad because, like I said, this is my favorite story. But it's just amazing in so many ways. When they got to Montana, my grandma, that's the, who they went to visit, my grandfather and grandma, they, um, they got there, and my grandma said, well, let me try to ride your bike. And they had not had a flat tire the whole trip. My grandma rode it over a cactus in her front yard. And they got their first flat tire after they arrived. How did they get back home? They did not ride back home. Their parents came, picked them up, put the bikes in the back of the car, the truck, and drove them back home. Uh, they said that it was windy. That was a hard problem. They said they got mad at each other a few times, and so they would ride in silence a lot. They did not wear helmets. They wore cowboy hats to keep them out of the sun. I don't know if there was sunscreen back then, but they slept at airports a lot. And uh, they would set up their tent at, a, at, a, at an airport, which is kind of public property. So I don't know. I just think it's such a great story. 
and you want to see their pictures, they're online on Facebook. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Hey, by the way, that's the name of the book. That's the name of the podcast. So let's talk about um, Father's Day. Oh, wait, before we get to that, I have to let you know, I got an email from somebody whose name is Sophia P. I don't know how to say her last name, and I don't want to insult her by um, mispronouncing it, but Sophia sent me an email to um, Dave... Um, Ryan at kdwb.com. Basically, uh, she has been listening to the show for a long time, and she's talking about the chapter Feed the Goat, which basically is all about, you know, when you get to a, when you have a job to do at your workplace, uh, there are always going to be something more that's not your job. And I talk about how I worked at a radio station where when I was 17 years old, I had to feed the goat that lived in the backyard. Not lying. That is, um, I had to actually feed the goat, and I did it, and I had a good attitude, and I did it with a smile. And Sophia goes on to talk about how she she writes a pretty long but very meaningful letter. She's talking about work ethic, and she talks about how she's worked with so many people who just expected to get a promotion. They were the boss, so they would get the next promotion, or they were in line for the promotion, so they were going to get it. But she said so many of the people she worked with were either younger or older, not particularly either one, and most of the time they would sit and try to get away with doing as little work as they could. They would One of them would never leave her office because she wanted to be on the phone with her boyfriend the whole time, whoever the boyfriend of the week was. Somebody else said, or she's talking about how uh, she's now 23 and the manager of a bunch of 18-year-olds. I'm honestly so surprised by their work ethic. When people complain about the work ethic millennials, I understand so much. I was shocked that the younger workers under me did not have as much hustle as I did at their age. We are younger than our bosses. We can do things faster and better. We should be better. But no, they complained about doing the jobs listed in their job description and were always sick on the nice weekends in the workplace. Age doesn't matter. Work ethic does. My parents taught me grunt work. This paid off in my future endeavors. As someone without any kids, I love giving advice on parenting. Give your kids, give your damn kids some chores, unpaid chores. Uh, and uh, she goes on for a little bit here, and I really appreciate that, Sophia, for um, for writing in on the podcast. Uh, if you want to send an email to us, the easiest address is um, Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. All right, so Sophia also mentioned, she says, you know, maybe you can tell us some stories that you've never told us on the radio uh, because it's the podcast and we have a little more freedom to swear and say, go fuck yourself and things like that. So, which people seem to get an enormous kick out of because we never swear on the radio or at least try not to, but we swear as much as anybody in person. Um, Okay, so I have this to say about uh, my dad. We'll talk about Father's Day a little bit. Um, I went on this camping trip this weekend and my dad and I were in scouts together and he was obviously, I talk about him so much. He was such an influence on me that, um, he left me a few small things. He didn't leave me much. He didn't have much to leave. It was big. You know, there was no yacht or anything like that. Uh, but he left me a pocket knife with his name engraved on it. And um, he carried it for years, just a little pocket knife. I took it with me this past weekend when I went to um, the Superior Hiking Trail. And it was cool to just pull it out and, you know, and feel it in my pocket and kind of be reminded of my dad. Um, So what do you have that your dad has given you? Uh, Or if you're a dad yourself, what are you going to give your kid one day? I don't know. You know, you never know whether they're going to like it or whether they're going to be like, meh, whatever. Um, 
Also, just a quick story. Um, I was reading something today. It was like, you know, here's some questions about your dad. Um, when did your dad laugh the hardest? Now, my dad was, he was pretty quiet, very smart, but pretty quiet. And I only heard him laugh like uncontrollably one time in my life. And we were in Montana at my grandma's house in Jordan, Montana, and he was randomly reading a book called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Now, I don't know what part he was reading, but there used to be a TV show back in the 50s hosted by a guy named Art Linkletter. Maybe, maybe that name rings a bell if you're old enough. Anyway, and he would have kids on there, and these, and he would ask them questions like, what did your mom and dad tell you not to talk about once you got on TV? And it was very funny, and my dad was reading this book, and he was trying really hard not to just laugh out loud. And I remember him just in tears trying to laugh quietly, and I got such a kick out of it. And I could still see him sitting there with his feet up, reading this book with his glasses on, and laughing his ass off at kids say the darndest things. Hey, you know what? That book is still in print, and I'll bet kids haven't really changed that much. Well, maybe a little bit over the last 50 or 60 years, so maybe it's still really funny. All right, so uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and that is a Father's Day lesson, not from my dad, but from my son, Chase. Because sometimes we learn from our parents, sometimes we learn from our kids, and let's talk about the chapter in my book that is inspired by Chase. Number 79. Play catch with your kids. Hey, listen, if you're a mom, that's no excuse. You get your ass out there. You play catch with your son or with your daughter. Teach them how to catch a ball. It's an important skill. It'll come in handy. They'll either enjoy it or they'll at least be on the work softball team one day. Or if somebody throws a ball at them one day, they'll remember, they'll, they'll know how to catch it. So play catch with your kids. Okay, let's read. Um, page 103. It's a great skill. It's relaxing. It's exercise. It's good bonding time. It's also about the least expensive thing you can do together. Here's one more thing about playing catch I'd never thought of before. It's a lesson in patience and in attitude. I learned this from my son, Chase. When I throw a baseball over his head, instead of trudging slowly back to the weeds and get it, he'd run. He would run. Maybe not full on, but enough of a run to show that he was still having fun. He was also a good sport about me being a piss poor baseball thrower. Now I run after balls that my boys throw and I've taught my younger son to do the same. You know, I wrote that, uh, that chapter about, I don't know, probably five years ago, three years ago when Carson and I used to play catch probably three times a week and he used to be in baseball. He dropped out of baseball a couple of years ago because he got to a point where you were either getting really good and you're going to play high school or you weren't good enough to make it on high school, the high school team, so he didn't play anymore. So we haven't played catch in a couple of years. It's kind of sad. But I definitely remember uh, playing catch with Chase and I'd throw it and not every throw is perfect and he would always trot back and he would get the ball. And that's Chase. Chase is just always positive. He's just a positive kid. And uh, he's coming to see us this weekend for Father's Day and his birthday. So uh, I think that's about it. I wanted to mention, I dedicate this podcast to my dad for Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. And if you are a father, and hey, happy Father's Day to your dad if you're not a father, if your dad is still around. Uh, and also, I want to dedicate it to my two cousins, Richard and Jim Meyer. They're both gone now, 
Um, my cousin Jim died in a helicopter crash about 30 years ago. He's been gone a long time. He was a pilot and uh, just one of those people that just, you know, he, he just had balls. He just did everything. And he was what you would call a man's man. And my cousin Richard was a little more mild mannered and a very sweet guy. I never knew him well. You know, I saw him a few times, but by the time I was around, they were already grown up and, you know, they didn't go on family vacations and things like that. But I, I met him a couple of times. So I dedicate the podcast this week to my dad and Richard and to Jim and their amazing bicycle journey in 1959. Hey, listen, you, thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, send an email anytime to Ryan Show. Or no, don't do that. Send it to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. And we will see you na- next week uh, here on the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Have a good week. <laughs>